This episode is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Cobalt Press. Cobalt Press' latest Kickstarter, The Southlands, is live now until December 31st. The Southlands features high adventure in a self-contained, standalone Egyptian-style setting. With all the tools at your fingertips for a dozen adventures and even full campaigns. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Cobalt Press and check it out today. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was designed to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Thank you for joining us here today at Crit Academy Studios, where everything is made up and your roles do not matter. Yep, that's <laughs> right. Your roles are like a dungeon without any secret passageways. I'm really excited for today's show. Holy crap, we made it to 200 episodes. Can you believe that? 200. Um, that's 100 times more than Alicia thought I would make it. Um, so, yay! <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I didn't even think we would still be around. I thought for sure we would have ran out of player tips, dungeon master tips, and just general ideas pretty quickly. Right. Um, but here we are. So um, to celebrate this day, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who is joining us. Um, our main topic today, you are going to join us and we are going to build a dungeon together. The hope is that when it's done, I will write it up and compile it into a nice professional looking format and I'll give it f- away free to anybody that wants it. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll take your oh, feedback today you. and and hopefully build a, 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 dun- a dungeon that will... Uh, <laughs> hopefully terrorize our players or at least, you know, let them have a good night. Um, but before that, we have our uh, Let's Talk About Blank segment. Um, oh, and Brandon has joined us uh, after a yeah. long time again. So thank you for joining us. Uh, our, that way. Our, let's, <laughs> our Let's Talk About Blank segment is uh, raising money for child's play. Um, I wanted to do something with it being the holiday and there being a lot of um, – a lot of difficult times for people, especially for the hospitals and, and particularly young kids in the hospital. So what is Child's Play? Uh, since 2003, they've set up and organized uh, Child's Play, a game industry charity dedicated to improving the lives of children with toys and games in their network of over 185 hospitals um, worldwide. Over the years, uh, you as a community have answered the call and have come together to help raise millions of dollars. Uh, Your donations have supported seriously ill children in hospitals uh, by distracting them from their illnesses and and help them cope with fear, anxiety, and honestly just boredom. Uh, Mm -hmm. Anybody that stayed in a hospital for any length of time knows that it's a horrible experience and it's even worse for children. Um, Mm -hmm. So... This company, uh, this Child's Play um, charity is fantastic. I've even got the website here. You can uh, There's a link in our show notes, or you can just go to childsplaycharity.org and check it out. Um, we're asking the community to, to help uh, 
help support this charity. Um, they do grants, they do domestic violence shelters, partnering with hospitals, um, everything they can do to, to, to help children in this t- even worse now time uh, of ch- uh, hospitals that are just overpopulated. Um, so I really wanted to bring some attention to that. And um, addition to that, we're going to do a special giveaway. Um, I had a friend of mine who uh, does custom blankets that she builds for uh, her small business. And we got this really nice one here. I'll put some more uh, thorough pictures online uh, in the show notes later. But I wanted to show this to everyone because what we're going to do is if you make a donation, you can send an uh, email to Crit Academy. Uh, in, the rece- in the message just sent, Child's Play, uh, proof of your, um, your uh, donation. And we will be shipping this to one random uh, donator in the uh, United, uh, somewhere in the United States. I can't afford to send it to like somewhere else. So unfortunately, That's if you're right. in China or something, I can't help you. But um, I had her custom make this for me, and I'm really excited to hopefully have this find a, a wonderful home. Uh, yep. It's got little dragons on it and uh, knights and swords and all kinds of really cool stuff that just really screams Dungeons and Dragons. What do you guys think about this? That's super sick, honestly. I think. <laughs> I love it. Quilt, and as Justin said, mm-hmm. Child's Play is a great charity. And it actually was founded by the guys behind Penny Arcade, and they've been around for a while at this point. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, really so, been doing this shit for a while. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a, a, a bunch of testimonials. One that I really like says, uh, um, uh, there's a whole page of them. Here we are. There's a, a bunch of these little testimonials about um, games being used to save children's lives. And mm-hmm. being in stress and pain and taking that away can make a child better. Who was it? There was a uh, the Patch Adams movie was based on a guy who believed that laughter is the best medicine, right? Yeah. When you're constantly focusing on something, it doesn't help you mentally and it certainly doesn't help you physically. So this is a very cool uh, uh, program to kind of help those children around the world. So I hope you'll consider donating. Um, this is our reach out to the, the community to help these children, especially with what's going on in COVID. So do you guys have anything you want to add? Well, I think it's been around since uh, 2013. So they've been kicking around for 17 years, helping child's hospitals. So I call that a win. Yeah, for sure. I enjoyed it. All right, so uh, like I said, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com uh, slash post slash episode 200, and there's a link there. You can just go to uh, childsplaycharity.org. Uh, either way, if you do donate, you can send send the email to us um, with a um, some sort of snippet uh, proof of donation with the title Child's Play Charity in the subject line, and you'll be entered to win this uh, homemade uh Dungeons and Dragons sort of blanket. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right. Um, Very cool. I think that'll do it for our let's talk about blank segment. Um, before we move on to the main topic, which I'm really excited about, uh, I really want to get down to this. Um, every episode, we give away fat loots. What do we do? What do we got today? Who's our winner today? Or what do we got going on? Uh, well, we got we got so we're giving them first. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so today's giveaway is from <laughs> Lore Smith because they love us and we love them. Uh, and today we're giving away the Modular Dungeon Tiles, the Arcania set. Arcania Digital Tile Set lets you make dark, shadowy dungeon maps rich with the fumes of arcane secrets. Maybe this time there's going to be some cool little laughing gas to help the children keep laughing so they don't got to worry about all that pain. And we're not going to worry about the other option. That's the only option today. 
<laughs> Very cool. Uh, our winner today is uh, Jesse Who Games. Congratulations. Uh, we give this stuff away every uh, week. <laughs> if you didn't win, have no fear. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Lursmith. Check out some free stuff. You can sign up to be entered to win this and a myriad of other prizes we're always giving away. Um, mm-hmm. It really uh, is always fun. So uh, now on to the, the, the big topic. Um, we're going to build a five-room dungeon. Now, yeah. What is a five room dungeon? Um, I discovered this. Uh, I actually used to it used to be like the three or four room dungeon, um, but mm-hmm. I found the article by John Four uh, at RoleplayTips.com, and it's all about the structure of the five room dungeon. You can find a link to it in our uh, show notes, or you can Google it. Um, why do I love the five room dungeon? First of all, they can be in any location, which is fantastic. Uh, it's short and sweet which I love because I, I'm lazy and I don't have a time to spend hours upon hours um, writing out stories. Um, For sure. They're easier to polish and refine, which I think is just part of it being a modular design. Uh, they're mm. portable between different locations and flexible in size. And those are some great reasons why I think it's great. Now, for clarification, it says five room dungeons. It's basically just like the five core events that happen in the dungeon. You could put right. a five-room dungeon design in a mega dungeon where it's mostly a dungeon crawl except for these five uni- unique sort of events that occur. So, mm-hmm. um, Brandon, do you want to tell us about what Room 1 is? Room 1 is about the entrance uh, and a guardian. Uh, there should be a reason as to why the dungeon has not been pilfered yet why no one's been in there for centuries or so on and so forth maybe there's a specific trap set or there's like a like oh uh what was that one where uh the haunt before you enter the house there's uh two guardians in the doorway that prevent you from getting in that's pretty much uh room one yeah, yeah um it's pretty straightforward uh what are some other uh do you guys have any other examples of what a good uh room one would be for the entrance I- my actual first thing that I thought of was actually one of the encounters that we've done on the show, which was uh, the one door where you had to speak in Draconic at it, and it actually allowed you to get in. You needed someone who was actually uh, of Draconic bloodline to actually be able to get in. <laughs> you yeah. had to speak open, and if you weren't Draconic, and even if you knew Draconic, they were like, ah, sorry, can't do it. <laughs> um, what about you, Ian? Well, when I read like, the description of Guardian, the first thing I think of is like a giant statue of a soldier saying Vigil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two hands on the palm of a, of a great sword, point down, or some sort of like possessive armor or something like that. Something epic. Yeah. <laughs> At least I think that's epic. And sometimes it can just be uh, a hazardous terrain. Maybe the reason this dungeon hasn't been explored is because it's at the bottom of uh, a swamp. And you have to dive into the swamp to even get to it, so nobody knows it's there. Um, it's an, or of a volcano. <laughs> or a volcano, right? <laughs> uh, Old Handy says he's a fan of magic doors. I think uh, one of the posts that just came out that you made on our YouTube channel there, uh, Ian, was about a door. Um, yep. And one of the guys in the, uh, the, the, the comments was, uh, you know, talking about what would be in a cool different door. And I thought, what would be cooler than an entrance that's a, like a, a one of those... 
um, airplane uh, TS agent uh, metal detectors, but instead it's got the effects of like the rust monster. So when the heroes walk in, their shit's just like starts <laughs> melting. <laughs> um, so we got, we got one uh, good idea right now for some sort of magic door. Um, what kind of uh, I, monsters are uh, just a, a, a random monster that took up, uh, made it, it's kind of its lair. And so nobody can get there because you got the big, bad, you know, random beast that's floating around. I think, mm-hmm. uh, what would we do for magic door? How about a magical door that when you open it and you enter it, it takes you to just a single room, but there's, there's nothing in it. So it's, it's just like some random place in the side of a mountain, for example. But with proper arcana checks and being able to disable the door, when you open it and there is no magic on the door, it takes you to the actual dungeon itself. It's like a, a gateway. Oh, I actually kind of I like this. That's so kind of cool. Kinda, yeah, I mean, it almost went like a, a little demiplane trip there. But no, I, I like the idea of just it just you open the door yeah. and you're like, now guys, I know we're in the middle of a forest. <laughs> But why am I? Hit, why is it when I open this door, we're suspended ten thousand feet in the air? That that <laughs> not about it. That reminds me of uh, in the Doctor Strange play. <laughs> they've got the 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 windows that show other places. When you open it, it's a portal that drops you into this other area. And he's got the yeah. little knob that he twists, and it like instantly like flashes and ends up somewhere else. Maybe that's the key. That maybe there's some object you got put by the door to turn it to turn it off. Okay. Okay. I like, I like the that. Door too. I don't know. It's something that the... involves the player uh-huh. with the whole interaction of like doing checks and stuff. So uh, another thing that you could do would be um, a skill challenge. Maybe it the, it's like a complex lock, um, either for more than just you know picking the the lock. Uh, ooh, <laughs> Feline Fine Gaming says Howl's Moving Castle style door. I love it. That's a really good. Yeah. One. Um, you could have some sort of skill challenge to unlock it and. What would be fun with this is if you set the DC, say um, it's 15 and you got to get three successes before two failures, right? And mm-hmm. if they fail, they open, the gate still opens, but sends them somewhere random where they're not expecting to go, like into the middle of a desert instead of a dungeon. Like <laughs> instead of like killing them or hurting them, it just drops them somewhere else randomly. I think that could be really cool too. Go ahead. On top okay, of this, actually. Because say it was overcast. He's thinking about how players could collect a sun or a moonstone, have it cast a light fr- from the appropriate stone onto a door to reveal the correct passphrase. Oh, that's some uh, Avatar level shit right there. I like okay. that. I was thinking if the we want to stick with the whole magical transportation door, we could actually make it so that if they rolled exceptionally high, let's say, uh, they could actually make it so it's almost a shortcut. Oh. So they can actually rewire the door to actually go a little bit further beyond than where they would have intended to actually right, go. Right into the right into the treasure room. The, Why not? The, the problem is, is that the door is still locked though <laughs> from the well, other yeah, side. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love they don't it. have to get through, but yes, that, I like that. that. Is the idea so, so that way, you, <clears throat> if uh, you have a player who's obviously geared towards doing this kind of stuff, you know they mm-hmm. they've clearly studied in Arcana and do anything right, right. like that they can get rewarded for being an expert in that field, oh, at least. Fantastic, fantastic. Oh, go ahead, Ian. We can combine a few of these together already. Like, okay, magic door, simple enough. And how about when the player is trying to open it by default, it immediately opens to a hazardous area. In fact, maybe they might even inflict, inflict damage just from opening the door, because like, it was like a volcano, as we said earlier. 
spot is to use an object like a sun or a moonstone in front of the door to reveal a hidden phrase, and you speak that phrase, it'll then go to the correct location. That doesn't let you on fire. That's some that's some good ideas. Why don't uh, so it sounds like we're gonna go with uh, a magic door for room one. Um, Austin, will you write that up in there real quick and uh, add the teleportation key feature and um, uh, item lock uh, lock mechanism or something like that? Just some short notes. Um, so what yep. is room two? Room two is a puzzle or role playing challenge. Uh, the PCs are victorious over the challenge of the first room. Uh, in this case, actually just entering inside and are now president, uh, president presented with a trial that cannot be solved with steel. Uh, this keeps problem solvers in your group happy and breaks uh, the action uh, up for good pacing. Um, so you want to make room to a puzzle, a skill challenge uh, or a role playing counter um, if possible. Now, Room 2 should shine the limelight on a different PC than Room 1 did. This is where I really like the five-room challenge because most games have five players or somewhere around there. So you could almost build every room based around a different character specialization, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, uh, so it should all, it should not only shine the light, but it, that because of that, it changes up the the gameplay and offers a variety of challenges throughout the from the entrance to the end of the dungeon, which I think is really cool. Now, it is worth noting that if you've picked room one is already this uh, sort of encounter, uh, feel free to make room two more combat oriented. Um, for us, we are going to talk more about. I think. Well, do we? Let's ask the audience. Do you guys think this should be some sort of uh, puzzle or role play. I'm leaning towards role play personally. What kind of encounters would you guys toss into this while our audience is coming up with something? In our particular case, since the first room was kind of a puzzle that kind of focuses a little bit more on skills for solving a riddle, I don't mind some sort of like puzzle room, but have it lean more towards religion since I don't think we've seen stuff like that too much. So, since we didn't really have much combat in the first place, let's say, for example, you have to subdue nine statues. Each one is a different god. Each god is a from a different alignment, from like the nine alignments in D&D. Mm-hmm. And then you must organize each defeated statue in the order of the corresponding alignment on the floor tiles, to then trigger the door to open up to the next area. That's that pretty cool. Sense. That does make sense. I like that. Um, we got a picture here from Silver, or a picture, a comment from Silverworth said it should be a role play portraits of the last person who lived in that location. So how does, how is that going to help us? Is that going to be a a portrait and you have to figure out who it is in order to open a lock or a gateway? The first thing I thought when I said that was like picture Doctor Who, for example, there are like what, 13 doctors now? He just has a different appearance. And you show walking into the room, you see portraits of 13 different people, but you don't realize that they're all the same individual. That's that kind of other incarnations. So what if you have to organize the portraits in order of each incarnation? Oh, that's really cool. I think that would go well. Uh, Silver Wolf actually elaborated if someone's proficient in history who could identify the person important portrait. I think that ties into what you want, and maybe they need to be organized in a, a, a certain um, 
a certain order or maybe there's items inside the room that are tied to the history of each one. So a roll, uh, a roll of the dice could then say, um, okay, this person is known for uh, murdering an innocent and going to prison. So you find mm-hmm. uh, some shackles on the, 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 the ground. Okay. You, you ever been in a, uh, what is the, uh, the escape room? Something like that. Where you yeah. gotta put all the different clues together, and I think tying them to some uh, some portraits is a good is a good way to do that. Go ahead. Or <laughs> he puts up his hand. The room one to a serial killer, and each portrait was a painting that corresponds to each of their famous murders. You must organize them in the order of the murders. You know what? That's actually really good because we did that as a uh, encounter concept one time, where we did it. With the murderer yeah. was uh, Rob Boss. And all the all the paintings where his <laughs> where his victims were at, right? So I like that. Um, uh, yeah. Any <laughs> Brad is just cracking up. Um, <laughs> has anybody got anything else? Otherwise, we will move on to the next room because I think that I think that's really good. We got the 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 con uh, the complicated uh, uh, puzzle doorway that could teleport to or to the location or randomly. I like the idea of it maybe going uh, having a shortcut depending on well you do. Uh, the next challenge would be tied to some sort of history, uh, which is a skill I think is a good one to pick because it's not as something oh, sure. that gets as fo- much focus. Um, in this case, leading to a, a collection, a skill challenge of or locating different kind of puzzles to, to solve, to escape. Um, I like the, the painting idea that would actually make really, really good sense. Um, any other ideas before we move on to number three? Oh. I'm locked up for the most part. Okay. All right. Uh, that, so, if, uh, Austin, if you get a second, you can kind of just sum up that into uh, room two for us. That would be great. Room three. Trick or setback? The purpose of this room is to build tension. Do this using a trick, trap, or oh, setback. For example, after defeating a tough monster and players think they finally found the treasure and achieved their goal... They learn they've been tricked and the room is a false crypt, that being one example. Depending on your system, this room can cater to any player or character types not yet served by the first two areas. And alternatively, you can give the group a sort of double dose of gameplay that they enjoy the most, such as combat or roleplaying. Pieces can reach a secret artifact to defeat the big bad, but it's broken, cursed, or missing a piece. Ooh, I like that. Um... So it'd be like if you found like the uh, sort of omens from Thundercast, but it's missing the Eye of Thundara. Oh, that's really good. What does our audience audience think? What, what kind of trick or setback would you put in this dungeon? I love the Eye of Thundara. That's kind of like finding the uh, the the Infinity Gauntlet without the stones. You know what I mean? Hey, you got right. this powerful item, but it's it it doesn't work without. Kind of works. From <laughs> <laughs> the Excalibur, but it's in the stone. Or inversely, you could go the uh, Soul Eater route, and anybody can pull Excalibur out of the stone. He's a sentient weapon that's so annoying that most people just shove him back in because they're sick of dealing with him for <laughs> five minutes. That's funny. Uh, someone in the chat said, "Split the party." Yeah, that's pretty, that's a pretty big setback. That's a that's a good one. Um, yeah. Something that forces, uh, like instantly, I think I was playing uh, Final Fantasy VII the remake, and there's a part where you have to split the party in order to open certain doors. Um, but only one, you have to hold it while you go through and then, you know, you pull it up and then it closes behind. Then the other group has to move to, to open a door. So forcing the, the party to split in order to, um, access a new pathway or secret passage, um, something like that could be really, really good. Um, old handy says a roof, uh, roof of a parade caves, uh, 
if they go the wrong way, forces them to circle back the same way. Now you're talking about getting stuck in kind of <laughs> a spinning loop. Yeah. Hey, Austin, why don't you tell them about your experience with that? Let's, let's pass. <laughs> Are you sure? I thought it was funny. Well, where we needed a map, and we're like, oh, hey, guys. Uh, mm, I think those three sets of footprints, I think those are ours. <laughs> Talk about that one. Yep. They just kept going in circles because they started following the footprints. It took them a while to figure out the footprints they were following were their own. <laughs> uh, no, since we haven't really done much combat-wise yet, what we could do is building off the split the party idea when they go into this room automatically splits up the party into a maze. Ooh. And going off of the traditional role for mazes or a labyrinth could be a couple of different creatures in there stalking down the players, hunting them down. Be it like, you know, a minotaur, something like the Predator. Oh, Damn man. You. Dude, I love that. So, uh, give them, I, would, I think giving the minotaur or some other stalker the rope trip ability and then just pulling people into portal areas and then sealing it so they can't leave so you get that total turnaround and the person's gone moment. Because you know the, the, the rope trick basically allows you to go right into like a, a pocket dimension. So having somebody stalk in the yep. party that has something like that could be really cool. I like that. I, so, so, so far we've got the, uh, the split the party mechanic. Um, we could do... So did we decide what would cause the party to split? I was thinking a little less on a labyrinthian kind of thing and more like a... Uh... There, there are just portals open, and like there needs to be a set of players that need to go take care of the portal, whereas the other set of players have to protect those players so they don't get you know punched in the face while they're trying to disable these portals. That's okay. kind of more or, like what I was thinking of, but it's a little simple, but simple is good. Or they enter a room full of portals, but they must progress, but but the moment somebody steps through one of the portals and immediately closes. Ah, yeah, Feline Fine Gaming says a chain of portals, one entrance, but uh, it takes each player to a different direction. Uh, Madhouse Satoshi's Kiss did this really, really well. Um, hmm. So that, I like that. Uh, what do you think, B? Uh, my first thought was a very classic puzzle. Definitely a setback. Uh, I assume you've all played Skyrim, right? Of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. You know how you go through some, some dungeons, they'll have like, the pillars of the eagle, the whale, and yeah, yeah. something else. You got to match those up. Uh-huh. That's a um, good example. It's it's going to require a map, and you got all these symbols on the floor, and you see a particular order on the back wall, and you have to follow these symbols in that order. If you touch the wrong one, not only does that tile fall into this massive ravine, but all those tiles with that symbol also fall. It's like, yeah, this is the pattern. Okay, I got square, circle, triangle, but the next square is 10 feet away, so I got to try to do a standing jump to get to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing is you could tie it as a callback to the previous room. Maybe something in the patents, paintings is also additional clue for this room as well. <laughs> we should do something like that, because that's kind of the idea of a dungeon, is to be cohesive. Yeah. So... Well, that, well, that's why it's we're doing ideas now, and then I'll when I write it, it'll all right. be combined, but and, and thematic. Um, but I do like. I think it would be cool to make it a callback uh, to something in the previous room because this could give what a person if? with a high intelligence. You could say, "Give me an intelligence check." You actually remember on one of those images, this icon sort of thing looks similar to what you're looking at here, and let that kind of character archetype shine. Go ahead. 
So yeah, that kind of makes me think, what if in, like, the paintings they were focused on the people, but however, in, like, the background parts of the image, which is obviously what no one focuses on, is, like, where, like, all of, like, the portals and stuff, if we're going to go with the whole portal idea, maybe you could see which set of portals, or, like, maybe the color of them, mm -hmm. uh, if they're designated by color, like, you're like, oh, wait, no, this makes sense, because that means this one was green, and it looked like he was walking towards the green portal, and then he came out, and now we, we can kind of see... Without even realizing it, we kind of saw what the inner workings of the dungeon looked like already. Very cool. Ooh. I like that. The going for the artifact idea that we pitched earlier. What mm. if you the players almost immediately find the artifact they need, but the creature that's stalking them and hunting them down has a missing component or is powered by the missing component? Oh, that like is that cool. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do we got any? Or, uh, Go ahead. Uh, again, with the uh, the missing artifact, I because obviously players are gonna want the artifact because loot, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, um, I, I we could. What if when they take the artifact, maybe I don't know. Maybe like it could be like a whole like double edged sword kind of thing. Where like obviously if they take this artifact, it can get them to the boss much quicker however it's very clearly like sprung with a trap so like the that now it's not necessarily they have to figure it out is are they willing to take the risk to take cool. the artifact and do something with it? i like that or the creature or the artifacts inside the creature i like Ooh, that too so yeah well you could still get a combat encounter and then you can <laughs> kind of boulders <laughs> Uh, the sword and the boulder golem. What we said earlier, what if you have to assemble the artifact and there's multiple creatures in the maze that contains the shards and have to hunt them down to assemble it? Ooh, that's like, uh, uh that's cool. There's Isn't there a magical staff in D&D &D that comes in set, like a, a set that's torn apart and you assemble it Something and it's like on that. ultimate power! Yeah, unlimited cosmic power. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, that'll do it for room three. Room four. This room is the climax, the big battle or the conflict. Uh, in this room is the big show. It's the final combat or conflict encounter of the dungeon. You use all the tactics you can to summon, uh, you can summon to make this encounter memorable and entertaining. As always, generate interesting terrain that will impact the battle. Actually, we just released fantastic terrain too, so if you want great terrain that's a great source to check out um all, mm -hmm. all kinds of buffs and boons and stuff to help and hinder heroes anyways uh start or end with role play um it's not while the players might jump right into combat i think it's best to to you should start with role play maybe the bad big bad uh needs to stall for time and or let the uh, some sort of uh, uh buff of that the pcs have wear out um uh, hmm. waiting maybe he's trying to wait for help to uh, arrive or um, maybe trying to ramp himself up into uh, some sort of rage whatever it may be perhaps even the the combat ends with the bad guy bleeding to death and a few short words can be exchanged and then his helpless uh, minions or um, or prisoners to role play with once the threat is dealt with. So even though you fight the big bad, that doesn't have to be necessarily the person you role play with. Maybe the last room you enter in is where a ritual has taken place 
and you run into the little minions surrounding the cauldron as they're chanting and casting their spell, and then the boss walks in as you are kicking their asses or something. Uh, what are some? <laughs> what are some good ideas you I guys have got? A pretty strong idea that kind of ties back to what this whole serial killer dungeon, I guess, would be. So. I want to imagine that there's a guy who is sitting on, like, a throne of bones of all the people he's killed, and he just, he sees you come in, and it's just, like, this, like, long cathedral, like, just dark, damp area where, like, Mm -hmm. he's very clearly, like, he's done this for a long time. You don't know how long, but he's done it for a while. And, uh, like, the, the players just walk in, like... Maybe they could just, like, feel the gravity of, like, the situation where, like, oh, this guy's very clearly dangerous and has killed a lot of people. That's just to kind of, like, set the mood in. That's very that's very cool. I like that. Um, ooh, ooh. Or better yet, ooh, wrong guy. that guy that's on the throne. Uh, we go back to the paintings where it shows the paintings of the prior owners of everything. Mm-hmm. He is the last painting, and every uh, prior owner has been murdered via assassins whatever and he's the one that's constantly waiting for those visitors to kill them off and he's assembled this chair out of all the bones of the people who has tried to come to take him out not only that but the paintings from the first room are larger in the last room and they are the poltergeists of the former owners that he summons to help Ooh, that's pretty cool i'm gonna write all that down (laughs) <laughs> no, just uh, shorten it. So we actually got some really great suggestions in here in the chat. Um, so uh, Old Handy says, how about an over-analytical stone golem that has to keep its master's lair just right? Uh, chase the party down to put the artifact back in its shelf. Um, first of all, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm reminded of in uh, in uh, World of Warcraft, the Karazhan, they have the curator guy. Uh, this giant kind of guy who keeps the whole area safe and organized or whatever um then andrew adds on to it you could add a piece of loot like a magical war pick that needs to uh that's needed in order to get an item stored inside of an earth elemental uh, elemental later on in order to help solve a problem or a puzzle um that's really Mm -hmm. cool i like the idea of offering uh what seems like a mundane item uh early on and then you find out the item that opens the door to the next chamber uh, to the final room or completing the puzzle or the challenge is the gem that's powering either a construct or an earth golem. That is so cool. <laughs> what do you guys think? I, I like the hilarity of the idea. That's yeah. really it. Yeah, uh, so we, no, it's, all right. <laughs> I think they just shot you know. your ideas down, guys. <laughs> no, uh, so it's not like, like, it's like it's bad. It's just like, it's, it's what theme do we want to run with, right? Because right. like, serial killer's home, and while an over-analytical golem would be cool, does it, does fit, it fit the, the theme, theme of, yeah. That we've got, yeah. And that's kind of I the gotcha. hard part. Or like, yeah, like, that'd be great. The golem is a butler. However, <laughs> would that detract from what we're trying to set the mood as? Maybe. That's kind of right. the issue we're I can see what to. you can say. Um. So, all right. So, murderer, uh, puzzles, final boss battle. Um. Is it con- a confrontation of the historic uh, of a, a big boss or see that's the thing though those people early on with the 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 puzzles and stuff with the portraits may not necessarily be the people that are there now i like i kind of like mm-hmm. the idea with the curator but i also like what uh, you said so um also the um we could actually make it if this guy is like the owner or whatever 
this mm-hmm. new person who the new resident i guess the the serial killer uh we could also say like maybe like he does obviously like the players would be like their first instinct is oh bad guy kill him however uh obviously he doesn't care about the players he doesn't know who they are unless he right. does but so that could lead to an interesting role play opportunity where he could cut them a deal and just be like look like you can that. keep the artifact just leave leave me be i don't want to fight for it <laughs> but if you guys come at me with it then i guess you'll just be added to these pile of bones i'm sitting on and i get to keep my <laughs> artifacts so <laughs> uh, so i like that could, and also you keep the artifact and take it away it, Keeps that away from here, so I call that win too. I agree. What Again, about like, easy to role play with that, I think. What do you think, B? Okay, so what if when they get the the final chamber, the big bad guy, and they take him out, um, they come to the realization that he is he's killing off all these adventurers that are trying to get him to save them from a worse fate. And that is that whoever kills the current resident becomes the next resident and cannot leave this area without some form of major magical uh, spell. Ooh. They become pr- imprisoned? And uh, yes, like, like the whole thing? Oh my goodness, that'd be... Yeah, like the person who does the killing blow on him that should, cannot that leave should just the be part five. That's, that's the plot twist. Old, that's it. Old, right? old, old Handy says the paintings are all victims of a soul jar. Isn't that a magical Ooh. item that traps people's souls? Yeah. <laughs> um... So I think so I think we so we so I think we're on to something here. So uh so you basically just finished number five. No, yeah, you absolutely did, and I'm all for it because that sounds awesome. <laughs> that is such a good plot twist. They think they're invading this person's house, but really he's just a prisoner. That's oh, great. Oh, and one of the yeah. characters that might end That's up great. becoming uh becoming a all prisoner. right, so so yeah. that could be great because that could affect how the person role plays in the encounter. Um, maybe they beg for it begs for its life or asks for uh, f- um, to be freed, right? Um, so, so we got some good stuff with four. So let's go ahead and move. We already talked about the plot twist, but uh, room five is the reward, uh-huh. revelation, and plot twist. Here's your opportunity to change the players' um, bragging to: We came, we saw, we slipped on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, room five doesn't always have to represent a complication or a point of failure for the PCs, but it can room five doesn't always need to be a physical location either. It can just be a twist revealed in room four as Brandon just totally slipped on this banana peel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> room five is where your creativity can shine and is often what will make the dungeon different and memorable from any other dungeon in the campaign setting, which is important. Uh, in addition, if you haven't supplied the reward yet for conquering in the dungeon, here's a great place, whether it's an object, a quest, loot, um, valuable information that the PCs need, what have you. Um, as accounting tasks take over from recent thrilling uh, combat tasks, this would be a good time to make the campaign have some sort of revelation or plot twist in either involving that current dungeon or the world overall, which I think is a, a great way to 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 do it. Um, and you guys know me. I love it when we have an idea where the big bad isn't always just an evil bastard trying to conquer the world or kill some people. Um, I really like those ones where there's more to it than that because every villain has a story. And in this case, the villain there isn't really a villain. The PCs just see him as villains. 
um, until they understand them. Now, they that revelation may not ever come to fruition. You might have the players just attack and be done with it and then find and out later after the fact. Now, that would be cool because if they just killed him outright and somebody else got forced to be the new prisoner, they done are a result of their own decision, right? <laughs> Andrew says, I missed the first 30 minutes. What kind of serial killer are we dealing with? Uh uh rob boss apparently <laughs> yeah rob boss we haven't really thought too hard on it i think that's kind of the point of it too right like you don't have to think too heavily on it you just can tell thanks to the context clues everywhere that this guy is probably dangerous, probably dangerous right or this place is dangerous yeah. <laughs> but he's not and i really like the five Ooh. room f- format because it is so versatile for instance uh early on we talked about using the paintings as clues that painting as clues can fit any theme on the fly. If you guys go into a fire dungeon, those paintings have something to do with fire in some way. Maybe they show where the ashes of an elemental are stored separately. And if you bring them together, you can, you know, conjure an elemental to fight for you or some shit. And that's one thing I really like about the five room dungeon. Honestly, I don't actually call it the five room dungeon. I do modules, but this is the, this is the theme that all of my games revolve around because I like, I call it, I like modular uh, versatility mostly because I got you know tired of trying to draw out twenty things and then pigeon trying to pigeonhole the players into it. This gives us right. really great versatility. Um, even uh, going with the five room dungeon thing, you could even make it so it's just because like the the first one is is a magic door, right? You could mm-hmm. easily make any entrance to anywhere a magic door that transports you somewhere else to keep anything away. Right. Like it's just it's so simple. It works. And That's... then uh, the paintings, like even say you're in like a cathedral, like you're uh, obviously like a consecrated ground, right? Maybe that's where the dungeon takes place. It's it's weird, but maybe this holy place isn't actually so holy once you dig deeper in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of <laughs> <Dig>. like... <laughs> and uh, maybe the paintings on the, the walls just signify like uh, the story of... I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm maybe because I'm playing Descent in Avernus, but maybe it's the like uh, the order of an angel falling from grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not specifically Zariel, of course, right, right. But uh, just like maybe it was like a diva, and it was just like this thing that was supposed to be this, you know, this uh, this passion of good. Um, right. And maybe that's at the end of the dungeon. He's still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, overall, stuff like that. It sounds like we've got a pretty great. Um, uh, outline for me to write a dungeon. I love the soul jar idea. Um, looks like old handy has a few other ideas. The big bad could be, uh, overtaking the bodies of his own children, swapping bodies to stay immortal, but keeps paintings because he still loves them in his own sick, twisted way. That is cool. So if your plot twist, isn't that he's a victim, but he see, he's afraid to die and he has created a spell or some ritual that lets him jump between his his um uh children. That's a good one. Um, that's that would be really really cool. Um, it's a very Orochimaru yeah and Naruto kind of thing. Where it's like, like he he tries to cheat death by just keeps body swapping with other people, which is super good. Uh, that was always such a good like creepy thing that I always enjoyed. <coughs> like uh, Flutter from Dragon Age, or like Ursa's mom from Fairy Tale. Mm, yep. Very solid stuff. I like that. Um, all right. This thing in Blackbeard from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. There's, so there's a it's there's a lot of uh, 
sources you can pull from for that theme. So overall, I think we got something pretty, pretty good here. What do you guys yeah. think overall about the five dungeon, five room dungeon strategy? I will have to use this I, in the future. <laughs> I definitely get simplicity. Andrew, mm-hmm. Andrew says the painting canvas could be the skins of his victims. If you want to get dark. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if you really want to get gritty, yeah, you could, yeah. Um, I think that'll do it for our main topic. Like I said, give me a week or so and I will write this up into some sort of uh, published format and get it all out to you guys. Um, this is great. I love it. It's yeah, uh, that was pretty dope. Really easy. Well, I guess it helps when you have so many people to bounce ideas off of, yeah, but for that's sure. kind of the point. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. We need to do more things like this because I love the interaction and suggestions because honestly, when mm-hmm. I'm writing stuff, I run out of ideas sometimes. And if I don't go look for inspiration, I don't do very well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, all right. That'll do it for our main topic today. Let's build a five room dungeon together. Uh, before we move on to our mm. honor tips and tricks, this episode is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Cobalt Press. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Cobalt Press and check out their latest Kickstarter, The Southlands, an Egyptian-themed style campaign setting. I love it because I read – I was a really big fan of the um, the uh, Rick Royden's uh, Percy Jackson and his, uh, uh, his whole, like – egyptian themed uh story i can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head right now but because uh, it's been years but uh, i love the egyptian theme i love you know the whole you can do so much more than just desert with the egyptian theme and it really pulls it off so consider mm-hmm. checking it out if you really are into the whole power of raw and spirits of the undead and mummy style gameplay and now what you've all been waiting for our unearth tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. So the character concept is uh, Griff the Complete by patron Louis M. Guadio. Well, Guadio. Sorry, Louis. I, I don't Griff resents the term halfling because he is, in his own words, a complete creature. <laughs> okay. Really? That's funny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, God. character. If anyone calls him a halfling with an earshot, Griff will stop everything to ask the perpetrator whether they mean to say he is only the left or right half, <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps just the legs and feet of a creature. What precisely do they mean by a halfling? <laughs> I'm kind of picturing Elric from every time somebody calls him short. Yeah. He does have a similar reaction, doesn't he? He does. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who are you calling tiny little peeps? Wait, that's not what I said, dude. <laughs> the Griff is a traveling mercenary willing to offer his services as a bodyguard to anyone who pays well enough and isn't too disagreeable, morally <laughs> speaking. Griff and his four brothers, Graf, Grief, and Graf. <laughs> <laughs> what a great submission. Graf, Grief, Graf, and Kevin. I <laughs> the most started a mercenaries for a higher business in a small pioneer town that quickly grew into a franchise. Griff's current plan is to find uh, strong warriors to travel alongside and hone his skills, while simultaneously increasing his presence in a, comp- in a competitive market. Griff is a fighter who almost exclusively wields a crossbow. 
uh, he has high intelligence, but very low charisma, which manifests in his ability to come up with great tactics to ambush or trap enemies. But his skills as a battle planner don't translate socially. He considers himself smart. There it is. He considers himself smart and tries to investigate mis- mysteries he or his group encounter, but is usually unsuccessful due to him being unable to navigate social norms when questioning witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> Griff is not mean or cruel, just practical. In some ways, his personality is based off of the character Mike Ermentrout from yeah. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Griff and his brothers were once employed by the Zentarum, but at the end of a long job, they were cheated out of their pay. Griff has held a personal grudge against the organization <laughs> and any of its agents since they since that day, as it feels they still owe him a great debt. Yeah. This is fantastic. I love this. And this is like background and everything. This is the whole character. Whole shebang. Yeah. You're done. Don't even have to... Yep. Think about anything else. <laughs> I like I, the brothers. <laughs> I think he did uh, really great with the. Um, inter- it's interesting because he took. He's a a fighter, but he focuses solely on range, um, mm. which is pretty good. I like the idea that he's all about strategy, but can't get it across to other people. And I think Ian did it really well. Stand over there, you idiot! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very this funny. Be a good one. This yeah. is a good one. I like it. It's very uh, fleshed like out. The... Yeah, like the whole like uh, halfling tropes really well done. I like the fact that you can tell he has family. Maybe like other players get confused by them. Mm-hmm. So, Griff, you're like, hey, Griff. And he's like, no, I'm Griff. Graf? Griff? Kevin? Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> they all look alike. He's like, oh, uh, gosh. Kevin? He's like, ah, oh, that's the weird one, too. And you still got me wrong. <laughs> that'll do i think that it's good i think that'll do it for our mm. character concept griff the complete thank you lewis uh for the submission uh that was pretty good yeah uh ian would you like to tell us about our monster variant our monster variant today is the fatal fern oh shit the origin of it is the giant toad Use it loses our swim speed stunning leap and amphibious makes sense because we're going from a a plant from the amphibian. Two features are false appearance. While the fern remains motionless, it is indistinguishable from a normal fern. It gains divine whip melee attack, which does some really fun stuff. Just like a pulling anybody who's hit towards it. <laughs> and it can also uh, swallow as a bonus action if the uh, victim's too close. And <laughs> tingling roots recharge six. Grasping the weeds and winds spring from the ground in a 20-foot square radius, sprouting from the fern. For one minute, these plants turn the ground into an area to difficult terrain from all other creatures. And a creature in the area, when this feature is used, must succeed in a DC-13 strength saving throw or be restrained by the entangling plants until the feature ends. That's nasty. A creature restrained oh by the plants can use this action to make another strength check. On a success, it's free! Uh, so, restrained. this, this is a, 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 fun, uh, a fun concept because, first of all, um, let's talk about the giant toad's big, coolest ability is Swallow, which basically, they make a basic attack, and if they grapple you, you're restrained. 
Um, and then every round you take acid damage that you're in there. So while this plant can't move very far, um, you know, with a, you would assume the movement is zero and that's what I put on the stat block. I mean, actually, I think it's five, but, um, it's whip, vine whip can reach 20 feet and can pull 20 feet when it hits somebody. Um, and the entangled root stops people from getting away. So, um, it's totally not based on the giant flower from Mario at all. Um, its teeth are massive and it's big enough to devour people. So, what do you guys think? Fern still has movement, right? Despite being a plant? Yeah. And like five feet, I think. Okay. It's not much. False appearance, vine whip, entangled roots. Is this Venusaur? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it sounds like. I was like mm. It looks more uh, like uh, the ones from Mario, at least in the art that I used for yeah, our patrons. It looks- this could be fun. Uh, yeah. If, like, you could just put this to, like, certain doorways and stuff so they have to encounter this thing. Yeah, see, I... Instead see, of I, running away from it. I like it just being something that's part of the natural terrain in a forest. And when yeah. you, uh... When you're doing those survival checks to not get lost and they, they fail, sure, they're gonna get to where they're going still. They'll lose a day and they'll run into one of these bastards. That, that's mm. that's how I like to roll with it, so... Um, yeah. I have completely fleshed out this monster. I got a whole page of... Uh, lore and stuff that our patrons will be getting this Tuesday, I think. Um, so all the monsters now are, are really fleshed out and our patrons get nice little stuff. So if you like stuff like this, consider supporting us. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that'll do it for our monster variant, the Fatal Fern. Austin, Ooh. would you like to tell us about our encounter of the podcast? Sure. Our encounter of the podcast is Warriors Unrest. The characters as well as many other adventurers who have been hired to delve into a recently discovered sunken temple in a swampy marsh. Uh, After the first group unlocked the temple's main gate, the area became flooded with a variety of undead, such as ghasts, ghosts, ghouls, mummies, and zombies. Why do they all start with GH? I'll never know. Uh, Many heroic (laughs) adventurers delve inside, but none have returned. A successful DC-15 history check uh, reveals that the temple was once a paladin temple. A powerful lich brought it to its knees and sank it to the salty marsh. The characters enter and fight waves of the undead. With successful DC-17 investigation or wisdom perception check, uh, quickly reveals uh, strange dark arcane sigils and magic circles throughout the temple. A successful DC-17 intelligence, arcana, or religion check reveals the symbols to necromancy bonding magic. Uh, the magic is designed to bind the souls of those freshly slain to their dead corpses. In doing it, twists their minds and fills it with anger and hate. All the monsters are remains of heroes and paladins who have fallen in battle and are trapped in the temple, wandering endlessly. Peppered throughout the dungeon are fire-breathing statues uh, that deal radiant damage instead of fire damage. And two raids guard this temple as ordered by the Lich, converting heroes into dark slaves. So, as long as they survive, they protect the power source of arcane magic, a crystal ball that has been harnessed to power the warrior's unrest spell. A creature who dies within the temple randomly becomes an undead. DM chooses which one or decides randomly. Cool. Nice little dungeon delve. (laughs) What do you guys think? I like it. (laughs) I like the the whole um, anything with like arcane sigils and magic circles everywhere. I'm a fan. (laughs) Is it, do you think it's too much that if a player dies in there to have their corpse wandering around aimlessly? Nope. 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 (laughs) However, Uh... depending on the level, 
and depending on how freshly they have died, because I know there are spells out there like Revivify, and you might want to give them just like a little bit of a chance to kind of bring them back to life. Like maybe say like their soul is struggling and they're like, oh God, please wait, guys. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Ooh. Just any kind of check. Oh. I don't know what kind you would do. You could just be like in like a, an extra death save or something. <laughs> Andrew says, use a summon spell. Summon like a bunch of tiny creatures, kill them all, and watch them turn into undead. <laughs> That's a hell of an awesome uh, necromancer uh, build right there. Horde of little minions. <laughs> That'd be scary. Yeah. Uh, what, That'd uh, be what do you think, Brandon? Uh, it, it reminds me of a TikTok I did because... Uh, uh, this this uh, lady's cleric, uh, she wanted to get rid of it, and the the DM said, "Okay, we'll do that." And he ends up turning her character into the bad guy at the end, an undead bad guy, and they had to fight against her character. And no one wants their PCs to die, or yeah, no no one likes that. But I think if a character dies in this area, the DM should give them the option to uh, take that character turn around and say, go kill your friends. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. I love it. I like that idea a lot. But that's kind of what I'm like, I don't know, like anything that's kind of like that to make the situation clearly more dangerous. You've been converted oh. and attack your own players more than anybody I've ever had the privilege of And that's with. only been one time. What? No, <laughs> more than that. I'm pretty sure it's only been one time. What time are you thinking of? The one where I was deep underwater and I was charmed by an aboleth <laughs> yeah didn't you uh i feel like there was another time you oh you started to in early in descent um because of the influence of the stupid uh oh shield the demon guy. shield yeah yeah but i i don't th do i think you got i think you got rid of it beforehand that's a shame yeah uh, I didn't all right do anything there <laughs> i think this is uh um a lot of fun and i think it's an interesting uh way to deal with have the undead uh, wandering around and i just love the idea of having your player wander just as a player knowing your character is wandering aimlessly <laughs> inside an ancient temple is just funny uh, i also like the idea of they just come undead and they just have anger and hatred and they mm -hmm. can just fight the players that'd be cool yeah all right that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast warriors unrest ian would you like to tell us about our magic item our magic item today is the orb of augmented stasis Thunderous, uncommon Request attunement. When you use this orb as an arcane focus to hold a foe in place, orb hums with power, reinforcing the spell. This elongate, this elegant pommel-sized blue sky spherical gem can be with magic to enhance the user's binding magic. When you hold the orb, your spell save DC and spell attack bonus increase. You cast spells from the school of enchantment. Additionally. As an action to cast a whole person's spell from it at its lowest level, you cannot use this feature again until next dawn. So yeah, I can. I love it. I love. Uh... So I assume the spell and attack bonus goes up by one. Oh, it doesn't say that, does that? Yeah, I would assume. Increase by one. Yeah, it should say that, and it doesn't. I'll have to fix that really quick. Oh uh, yeah, it's supposed to increase it by one for an uncommon item, but you could. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, this, I love items that boost specific types of, of spells. This one's enchantment, um, because enchantment doesn't get enough love. And then tossing in a little hold person seemed like a good idea. Um, I did base this off another object or another item of a similar name from 4th edition, but I get, I, obviously the mechanics aren't the same, but. So you want any ability that keeps anybody from moving? Oh, 
That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is uh, the one thing that 4E did that I really like is you get magical orbs that buff the caster, not just like give you magic. Like in 5E, all the magic items give you some sort of spell or utility power but very few actually increase your DC or spell. So adding something small, because I feel like it is such a letdown when a wizard casts a spell and their spells fail. So I always feel like I want to, I want to create stuff that kind of uh, helps increase their chance of success. Cause there's mm-hmm. nothing worse than saying I cast hold person roll. Sorry. He made it. Uh, he made the save. Oh, I cast, um, Phantasmal Force. Oh, sorry, he made it. It just it seems like it happens so much more often than a normal like attack hitting. Uh mm-hmm. and it fails so often and I don't know. I so I like things like this. Uh oh, there's yeah. a lot of chat going on here. <laughs> Almost for full circle to Howl's Moving Castle from the beginning of the show. That's how we roll. Um overall, um this is I like this magic item. Do you guys have any other comments? Nope. All right. That'll do it for our magic item, the Orb of Augmented Stasis. Once again, you can find our show notes at CritAcademy.com. Our Dungeon Master tip is Evolving Hazards. There is literally no reason that terrain dangers must stay static, though we often do a kind of a set it and forget it uh, mentality. A great example could be green slime in the DMG. While it only covers a five foot square and is designed to catch a character by surprise, you could easily give it uh, more move speed um, and an initiative, uh, more move speed and initiative and have it move towards the players and chase them instead of just dropping and that's it. Um, that's one of those terrains that is meant to catch them by surprise, but after that it doesn't do a whole lot. So for me, either having it chase them a little bit or, um, having a, a lava pool gradually expand out, um, during a battle, having a, um, Oh, uh, a geyser of, uh, like acid spewing out and then start filling up Mm -hmm. an area. Um, what are, what are some other evolving terrains that you think that are normally static, um, but that could, throughout combat or during an event, change? Thunderstorms, I feel like, are, are one to really kind of go at that with. Because, mm-hmm. like, you you expect, like, the lightning strikes and stuff, right? But, like, you uh-huh. still have all, like, the rain on the ground and everything. And what if you have the, the encounter where, like, these guys are, like, ice mages or something? So now they can freeze the whole thing. So, like, you can even set it so, like, the monsters can effectively change the terrain as well. Ooh, I like that. I think, though. That's my you know, initial thought. That's what I often do when I run Battle Royales, is I'll start over in a, lo- in a large arena, but the sides keep on dropping off, making the arena smaller mm-hmm. as the match progresses. And if they're standing in the wrong spot, when the ter- terrain falls, they're dead. I always, like, uh, show some sort of, like, warning, like, Glowing glyphs first to give like a one under warning. Right. I'm not complete, but <laughs> yeah, you're nicer than me. What do you think, B? I'm thinking a very hot, spicy, glowing red terrain uh, that burns if you step in the wrong spot, but you only have a certain amount of time before the volcano erupts, and now you got this these molten rocks spilling from the sky. That's a good one. Um. Something that I'm thinking about, and actually Old Handy just came up with, what about an avalanche? What if your guys are fighting on the side of a, a snowy mountain and some player decides, hey, I'm going to cast Thunder Wave and send a loud shockwave booming, and boof, now you got an avalanche. Or maybe uh, you're in a cave with a, a, a big pit, and it starts off as like a 10-foot kind of uh, 
gap, but you know, the area starts rumbling because it's an earthquake or something and it starts to split and ca- causing a greater threat as the battle goes on. Um, that's cause you see, you see the big gaps in the cave all the time. I'm not just saying that because I just did a, uh, I drew a terrain and had one in there. So that man, it'd be cool if this would like gradually stretch throughout combat. Uh, hmm. but you can do a lot of stuff like that. The most common evolving terrain, I think, is flooding, right? That's the one that kind of gets used all the time, but uh, yeah, I like the like, avalanche. Uh, the big one, kind of example that is seen in pop culture, like in PUBG, or uh, it's like the sh- shrinking barrier. Yep. Oh, that's a good that one. Is... See, I think that's the one thing that's missing in PvP Battle Royales for D&D. That's why I did the falling terrain at the edges. Yep. Yeah. You handled the falling it really well. is a pretty good one to go with. That's it. I like it. Pretty good. Uh, what about an earthquake that actually thrusts the ground? So you got you, the area you're in's got boulders and stuff, and now you're getting, you know, it's starting to push up on its side and create new um, cover, maybe, or spearing, you know, spears coming out mm. of the ground. There's a lot you can do with hazards. Um, uh, slipping, slippery ice is a good one. Maybe after somebody slips more than once or twice, it opens and they can fall into water and drown. It's uh, a good one too. So, uh, do you got yeah, anything? That's to- stuff you don't really think about too often. It really is kind of like a, a set it and forget it kind yeah. of thing, which is fair. I mean, yeah. it's it, I'm, I didn't decide to start adding that to my brainstorm and start writing anything about that. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> Anyway, it's, uh, the it, it's just difficult because the DM always has to to handle so much stuff all the time that see, like terrain is just one of those things where it's just like you, it's just constantly overlooked. I think. Yeah, and, and it's not. I don't think it has anything to do with the DM. It's they they do get overworked. But if for me treating it just like another monster would be a a great way to kind of handle that. It. That's a really um, good way to go about it. Well, I guess the thought too is like a fog that rolls in that are doubling as thunder clouds. Ooh, I like that. Good one. One that just shocks you, like a lightning cloud that shocks you if it gets too close. Them wind cantrips will become super useful then. <laughs> uh, I, I think that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip, Evolving Hazards. Our player doing? tip of the podcast is don't, don't be a, be a dick. dick. Yeah, well. No, nah, it's all right. It's fine. Yeah, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can avoid dickitude by role-playing a Goliath. Goliaths tower over even dragonborn, standing seven to eight feet tall. Their skin is gray or brown, mottled with darker patches that they believe hint at some aspect of each Goliath's fate or destiny. I love the idea of a Goliath that has like a map on him, and he swears that his destiny is like a, is is on this treasure map birthmark thing. <laughs> oh, secret power here! <laughs> right where his nipples at. <laughs> Nipple mark the spot. Um, Goliaths are driven by fierce love of competition. Anything that can be conceived as a challenge invites Goliaths to keep score, tracking their progress against both their comrades and themselves. A Goliath fighter might remark on how many times he has drawn first blood in battle within a particular dungeon compared to the party's rogue and how slow and slinky he is, always taking his time when he should charge in. (laughs) And he's certainly mentally tracking his own performance against his last adventure. This competitiveness takes the form of good-natured rivalry among Goliaths. And as a race, they have no patience for cheaters or sore losers but goliaths can be very hard on themselves too uh when they fail to measure up to their own past accomplishments that's so sad 
Boris has jumped 30 feet and landed safely. I'm sad I dropped 10 feet and fall. Daring that their daring that borders on foolhardiness is also a common trait among Goliaths. They have no fear of heights, climbing sheer cliffs, and leaping great chasms with ease. Goliaths respect and revere the natural world, and Goliath adventurers commonly draw on the primal power sources, invoking the spirits of nature, and their ancestors are far more often than they call on distant gods. Whew, that's a lot. That is a summary from one of the 4 ebooks I got. Um, what do you guys think? Goliaths, they're not just giant hulking brutes. They're competitive giant hulking brutes. <laughs> Brandon, you got anything? I know you've played a Goliath more than once. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Unless you're stupid and you get pickpocketed. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Can't win so told that a hundred, uh, what would they say it was? A hundred copper coins is more valuable than two silver because there's more of them? I don't know, but that sounds like something a Goliath would believe or a barbarian. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was reading through this. The first thing I thought about was in Dragon Age Inquisition when Iron Bull was like uh, asking questions to like uh, the soldier Blackwall. So uh, I, I have to know. What are those most limbs you've cut off on one swing? What? <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Heads count? Heads absolutely count. Then three. <laughs> that's the sort of stuff i think is just awesome like um yeah. one thing i love about goliaths is they have this their their competitive nature can feed into more things than just combat drinking would probably be a, co- a common one so i mm-hmm. bet they get really get a well along with dwarves who love the drinking competition right uh I also think it would be funny to see <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the the money. Maybe one has an idea of growing wealth and they want to be a Goliath that wants to be the riches just seems so out of place. But if a rogue started a battle, you only got three coins. I got six. I got more money than you. Would a Goliath now all of a sudden care about <laughs> having more coins? Yeah. <laughs> and like, as- I must amass all the wealth. <laughs> Lord the Rings and Legolas took down that giant elephant like creature only the Gilly turn around and go, that still counts as one! <laughs> That's really good. I, I was going to say, it sounds a lot like if uh, Gimli and Legolas were the same person. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. So, uh, do you guys got any further tips about uh, role-playing a Goliath? Now, I do want to say really quick, nobody is bound to this. This is just oh. some of the lore and the normal expectation uh, mm-hmm. and and the way they act. Um, every person is unique, like a flower. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, if you want your Goliath to be wearing armor, I can't remember if my Goliath wore armor or not. No. I think he had, like, leather or something, but uh, instead of it being a this chest plate or something, I flavored it as just a loincloth, and that was all he wore. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta let them know. I like uh, yeah. one of the barbar uh, uh, Goliath barbarians I played had the uh, the pelt of a lion. It was kind of his leather armor, right? And he told everybody that he slayed it with his bare hands. In actuality, 
somebody else did, and he pilfered it before he left because <laughs> I took the criminal. I took the criminal background, um, and so he was stealing stuff. So he has all these gizmos on his body. His uh, axe uh, was made of like the bone of a mammoth or some shit, and he said, "I conquered all these with my bare hands." And he didn't. He just stole them from people who had. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, all right. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Role playing like a Goliath. All right. Before we close out, we have another gift to give away. Brandon, would you like to tell us about it? Uh, yes. It's it's a uh, it's a giveaway. It's by Jeff Stevens. We all know him. He makes some pretty good content. Yeah. Uh, Scourge of the Nightingale, Part One. A love or a song of love. A masked menace terrifies the region. The adventurers stumble into her scheme. The kidnapping of a famous performer known as Devon Artis. Their mission is to deliver a ransom and collect Devon. And the winner is Stidham dot uh, is that Charlotte? If you didn't win, have no fear. Crit Academy is here. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens and get all kinds of fat loots. Because that's how we roll. Um, some really good stuff there. I mean, yeah. if you haven't gotten Villains in Layers 3 for free, you're missing out. Um, yeah. That'll do it for our episode. Episode 200, I can't believe it. Um, we're going no. into the new year. Uh, I want to thank everyone who did join us. Um, looks like we have a really great idea from Andrew on YouTube. He says... A show idea suggestion. Let's build a character together. I love that. <laughs> oh, fun. hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, Interparty Conflict. Hey, guys, I was only able to make it to the end, but I wanted to say a big congratulations on hitting episode 200. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. It's been tough and it's a lot of work, so thank you guys for joining us. Please join us on our next episode. We'll be yeah. joined by special guests. From the phenomenal actual play D&D podcast, Unlikely Heroes, to talk D&D improvisation. Now, holy crap, uh, I had the privilege of being on one of their episodes uh, that airs in a while. It's their finale. Uh, please keep an eye out for that. I had so much fun. The guys are so hilarious. Um, if you like a carefree D&D experience um, where they don't really know what they're doing and just kind of wing it, it, it causes it's so funny uh, i was laughing for like 30 minutes before we even started recording because they had me cracking up uh so definitely check them out there's a link in the show notes um if you enjoy the show and want to support us visit us at cricketacademy.com follow us on social media and leave us a review it helps us a lot keeps us going yep. gives us traction please consider picking up some of our content. We're always releasing D and D content or become a patron and get all kinds of fat loots. I mean, I make monster variants every week that are really flushed out. You get one page adventures, custom maps, all kinds of just a lot of cool stuff. And you can come hang out with us in discord. Brandon's been doing running an awesome, uh, uh, play by post game, which we need to do an episode about that. Uh, because I've reading through it. It's yeah. awesome. So, uh, that'll do it for today. I am your host. Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. Your host, Ian. And I'm your guest, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Oh, you know what? It's still stuck on Brandon's face. I didn't change it back that whole time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hope you weren't picking your nose or anything, because then everyone saw that. Uh, well, I'm...
what everyone wants to see anyway. <laughs> Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs>